Thank you guys for being here. We're so honored to have you here. And I'm really excited about this series we've been in called Mind Monsters. You know, last week we talked about defeating depression. And I encourage you, if you were not here, if that's something you're dealing with or know someone who is, please get our app, download it, and listen to that. It really can help. Today I want to talk about anxiety. So many people are anxious. They're worried. They're concerned. And, and they're just fretful. And sometimes we can get knots in our stomach. We're chewing our nails. I mean, it's just there's a lot going on. And maybe that's where you are today. And so I want to unpack that today. I started last week's message with something I want to say again, because I want to remind you that today's message is going to deal with the spiritual aspect of anxiety. That does not mean there's not a physical and an emotional aspect to it. So I want to be real clear. And so there are three parts to all of us. We are a body, a soul, and a spirit. Your body uh, tells us, oftentimes when, you're, when you have anxiety, your body, there's, there's an effect to it. This is why we need to be under the care of a good physician. If you're not already, I recommend it. The second thing is your soul, which is your mind, your thoughts, your will. And maybe if you're really anxiety-ridden, you may need to go talk to a counselor to work through those things. Those are both important. And the third aspect is we're our spirit. This is the part of us that lives forever. And that's the spiritual aspect. So I just want to encourage you, before we talk about anxiety, please don't think, oh, I went to, uh, to church, heard a message on anxiety, I don't need to take my medicine anymore. No, 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 no. Please don't think that way. There's three parts to you. And so if your physician believes you need to be on something, I recommend that. Uh, and there are some good Christian doctors out there. If you need to go talk to a counselor, I highly recommend that as well. So please understand that one sermon doesn't fix all this. But I do believe there is a spiritual aspect to anxiety that's very real. And I want to unpack that today. I'm excited about today's message. It's called Anxious for Nothing. Because Paul said that. Paul said we should be anxious for nothing. So I want to encourage you as we talk about that today. But I want to just say before we get started that some of us think, Pastor, I hear what you're saying, not to have anxiety, but there is so much craziness in our world today, right? How can you not be filled with anxiety when every time we turn on a TV, it seems like the world's falling apart, when everything is going crazy? I mean, just this week I was watching the news and they say now China has the ability to like shoot a missile from space on us or something. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, there's always something new to be worried about. Now, some of you are like, I came to not be full of anxiety. And you just filled me with anxiety. What are you doing, Pastor? <laughs> The point is this, is that there's always something going on in the world today that could frighten us, that could get us scared, or maybe it's more personal for you. You may say, I'm not worried about the whole world, I'm just, I'm worried about my world, you know, my, my family, my situation, my job, or my lack of job, or my finances, or lack of finances, right? And so it may be more personal for you, but either way, it is not abnormal for us to recognize that we live in a crazy world. But this didn't start with our generation. I have people that ask me all the time, is this the, you think this is the end of the world? Like, is this, is, are we in the end times? You know? <laughs> and the truth is, I don't really know, but I will tell you this. They've been asking that question for generations. And so just know that, you know, we think it's really bad now, but it's been bad before. So I just want to encourage you, that's just the nature of our world. In fact, look what the Apostle Paul told Timothy. He was talking to a young protege of his, a guy that he was mentoring named Timothy, who was a young pastor. This is what he said to Timothy, and this should make us feel a little bit better about today. Just, just listen to what he said. He said, but understand this, that in the last days will come set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered, lovers of money and aroused by an inordinate greedy desire for wealth, proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. They will be without natural human affection, callous and inhuman, relentless, admitting of no truce or appeasement. They will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate and loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled and fierce, 
haters of good, they will be treacherous betrayers, rash and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements, more than and, and rather than lovers of God. For although they hold a form of piety, true religion, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. Their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. Avoid all such people. Turn away from them. I mean, that's some messed up people. Right? They're, they're selfish. They're jerks. They're arrogant. That's just the first two episodes of Squid Games. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's where we're at, right? I mean, you're like, man, I feel like that's still happening today. My, my point is, is that there will always be stressful times. There will always be crazy people in the world. There will always be things to get our stomach in a knot about. And so rather than living with anxiety, recognize that you can live above all that, that you can have the peace of God in the midst of your storm. You can have God's presence and peace carrying you through difficulties rather than letting your circumstances control you. You should be on top of your circumstances rather than your circumstances on top of you. Let's talk about that today, how you can get the peace of God inside of you rather than living with anxiety. You guys ready to go? Because I'm excited about this. So... There are five ways that you can actually be anxious for nothing. And I want to unpack that today. How to be anxious for nothing. So the first is this. It's found in Philippians 4, 6. It says this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The first thing you need to know today is this. Ask God for help. That may sound like the simplest thing. You're like, really? That's, I came to church just to hear this simple message. But it's true. You can just simply say to God, God, I need your help right now. Sometimes I'll just literally look up. I'm in facing a situation. I'll just say, could you help me now? Like, hey, God, I need your help right now. It's okay to do that. Maybe it's time to take a break, pause, and, and just stop and, and get alone and just say, God, I need you right now. I am stressed out. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about my finances. I'm, I'm stressed out about my marriage. I'm frustrated with work. God, I just, need to, I just need to call out to you. God, would you just help me right now? And God, in an instant, will send you his help. And so he is a God who wants to help you. He wants to be there for you. Look what it says in Psalms 37, 4. This is the amplified version. It says it this way. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and the secret petitions of your heart. Those are the things you pray about that you don't want anyone else to know about. This is when you pray and you kind of look both ways. That means it's secret. You're like, hey, God, this is what I really want. God says, just tell me what you really want. I will give you the desires of your heart, the secret petitions, the things you don't want to tell anyone else about. But Lord, this is what I really want. God says, just ask me. God is saying, I'm there for you. I, you. You are one prayer away from the help that you need. Isn't that good to know? Just ask God if you're stressed out. Don't live in stress. Instead, live in prayer. And so the answer, the antidote to your stress is to pray, to ask God to help you. And he will come and he'll help you immediately. But he doesn't just say he'll help you. He says, he says come to me in prayer and petition, or, or I'm sorry, prayer and supplication. Now, if you're like me, I thought, I thought the word supplication meant prayer. I mean, so what, what, isn't this kind of a, two words mean the same thing? Actually, I looked at it. This is, this is what it means. Prayer is worship and thanking God, petitioning God for others' needs. But supplication is very specific. It comes from the word supply. Supplication means, God, you are my supply. This is God saying, you can ask for what you want. So don't be afraid to pray for others, but he also says, pray for yourself. It's okay to say, God, will you help me? God is a loving God. He wants to help you. And so don't be afraid to tell him of your needs and your concerns because he is concerned for you. 
He really is. He is there for you, even in things that you think are small. You think, oh, I'm not going to waste God's time. No, 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 no. You're not wasting God's time. He loves you. He's concerned about the things that you are concerned about. God will answer your prayer request, no matter how simple they may seem. He is there for you. So if you're stressed, if you're worried, if you're consumed with, with anxiety, just call to God and he will answer you. Don't be afraid to ask God for help. My own mother, I remember as a little kid being in the car and she would say, we'd be pulling up at the mall and she'd go, Lord, please give me a good parking spot. And I remember all my eyes like, this is ridiculous. My mother's asking for it. And now all of a sudden there'd be a parking spot that was come available right in the front. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm telling you, God answered that woman's prayers. I mean, it's crazy, right? And so we'd pull right in the front. I was like, wow. I learned early on, there's nothing too big and nothing too small you can't ask of your God. So don't be afraid to bring your request to God. He loves you. He loves you. He wants to help you. So ask God for what you need. Then, this is important, after you do that, look at the second part of the verse. It says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, or in other words, all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I looked that up. The word guard is a military term. It means garrison. Garrison is a, is a protective hedge. It means it's like God's placing all his guns around you saying, I got you. I'm going to protect you. The peace of God protects you. Now, let me tell you something about peace. I don't know that much about peace, but this is what I do know. The only way to have peace in the world is actually the threat of war. I know that sounds funny, but it's really true, is that we actually have the most powerful military in history. We really do. Let's give it up for our military real quick. Aren't we grateful for an incredible military? We really do. But here's one thing that I've seen over time is that we can have the most powerful military in the world, but madmen, crazy dictators will still act out if they don't see that we have the will to stop them. So we can have the ability to stop them, but they need, I hate to say this and it sounds a little cruel, but here's the truth. The way we keep peace in the world is basically having leadership that looks at crazy people. Unfortunately, they're always men. I don't know why they're always crazy men, right? But we have to have the ability to look at these crazy dictators and say, don't you try anything. You try one thing, we're on you. And so that's how we keep peace. But whenever we have leadership that doesn't take that role seriously, kind of sits back, guess what? Crazy people try crazy things. So what keeps peace is a threat of war. So let me tell you something about the peace you're going to have. The only way you can have peace in your heart is you need to understand something. The devil wants to mess with you. And you have to be willing to look at the devil and say, don't mess with me because I will come at you with all the armies of heaven. I am going to have peace in my heart. And so I want to challenge you. What this means is, number two, this means we need to enter into his rest. It is an act of war to stay at rest. And so to do that, you have to be able to basically let the devil know. You have to put him on notice. That like, no, you're not going to mess with me. I refuse to let the enemy get in my head and get me all worried. And so in Jesus' name, Lord, I enter your rest. I will have your peace. I'm not going to be consumed with worry. Lord, I trust in you. That is an act of warfare to say, God, I will protect my mindset. So I want to encourage you, don't be afraid to say, Lord, protect me, garrison my mind, guard me. I will not let the concerns and worries of this world consume me because I have a God who's in control and his guns are bigger than yours. And so you can trust in him. He's got your back. Trust in him. So ask for God's help in order to enter into his rest. What does this mean? This means practicing the presence of God. Maybe, maybe you're, you're stressed out at work. Just If you're in a meeting and it's, 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 it's intense, just say, excuse me, I'm slip out, go to the bathroom, and just when you're in the bathroom, just say, God, I need your presence right now. I need you to calm me down. 
Lord, help me be filled with your peace right now. Maybe you're having a difficult conversation with someone. Maybe you've got a difficulty at home. You're dealing with some stress. Just say, Lord, before I even get started, I'm paying these bills. When I know I've got more bills and I've got money, I'm going to trust in you. You're my resource. So, Lord, give me peace. And, Lord, just help me to do this under your control. And so I want to encourage you, enter into his rest. You know, sometimes I'm really busy and I can't get into the word like I want to. This happened to you too? When you're so busy, you're like, oh man, I didn't get, I, I wanted to have time with God, but I got up late, I got moving late and I got going. So sometimes I'll do this. I'll grab my one-year Bible. I love my one-year Bible. It gives me a little Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs every day. I grab it sometimes. I don't have time to read the whole thing. This is what I'll do. I'll just say this out loud. God, I just need one word. Just give me one word to give me your peace. I'll open it up and read one sentence. It's unbelievable how the very first sentence God will always use right then and there in my life. Sometimes you don't have time to read chapter upon chapter, but one word from God can give you the peace you need for today. So don't be afraid to say, God, just give me one word. If you'll do that, God will speak to you. He'll bring you his peace. You can enter into his rest. But it's a decision you make. When you enter in a room, you have to decide to walk into it. Guys, you, can't, you just don't accidentally have peace with God. You've got to walk into that peace. So I want, to, I want to challenge you to verbalize. Say, God, I enter your rest right now. I'm not going to be consumed with worry. I just choose to turn it all over to you in prayer, and now I'm going to enter into your rest. And so make that a verbal thing where you say it out loud to God. Enter into his rest. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. It says this, For he who had believed, adhered to, and trusted in, and relied on God, do enter that rest. You've got to choose to trust in him, then you enter into his rest. So the real battle for your mind is not social, it's not relational, it's not financial, it's not political, it's spiritual. It's a warfare to keep your peace. So I just want to challenge you to, to understand this. Look, God wants to protect your peace, but you've got to rely upon him. You've got to call out to him. Now, once God gives you that peace, here's the thing. You can have God's peace, and you can have it ripped away from you, can't you? I mean, one little thing can throw you for the day, can't it? So how do you keep that peace once you have that peace, look at the next verse. We oftentimes don't tie these verses together, but these are in order for a reason. So he says, hey, pray, enter into my peace. And then look what he says after that. He says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is a good, of good repute, if there's anything excellence, if anything is worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So what, what is God saying? You're saying, hey, you've prayed, you, you brought your concerns to me, you've entered into my rest, and now what you need to do is, number three, focus on good things. Guys, what I'm trying to say is it makes no sense. You can't spend five minutes with God to get his peace and then spend five hours online reading salacious gossip, angry tweets, negative opinions, and out-and-out -out lies and expect to have peace of God. And so you've got to protect the peace by protecting what you put in front of you. What are you watching with your eyes? You know, there's certain news programs I can't watch because they stress me out. And so you, say, you may be saying, well, Pastor, I'm supposed to be informed, right? Well, you can be informed without having to ruminate over the news over and over again. It's one thing to get the news. It's another thing to have all these commentators telling you their opinion versus their opinion. You ever watch news where they try to be balanced? That means to get one person on one side, one person on the other side of the issue, and they argue. So I'm watching people argue, and how am I not going to get angry? Like if you're watching people literally argue, if you're watching reality TV, reality TV, by the way, is also based upon conflict. They're always creating conflict. And so how are you not going to be stressed out watching that stuff all the time? I used to really be into the UFC. I still love watching good, a good fight. I love that. But I've had to limit that because I've literally found myself watching these UFC fighters. They're on the ground, they're grappling, they're all twisted and turned. And I'm watching them I'm like, ugh. 
and, I found, and I'm like, I'm all tight and tense like I'm in the fight. I'm like, what am I doing right now? So I had to realize if I'm always watching people fighting, it's going to take my peace. I just want to challenge you to get off social media if you're just going to people fighting each other. If people are battling it out in the comments on Facebook, you know, it's okay to, to actually just say, I'm going to just block that. You know, it, it's a wonderful thing. You can unfollow certain people. You can just not watch certain programs. You can just not pull your mind into things that lead to stress. Again, I'm not saying bury your head in the sand. Maybe there's a news source you can get that just tells you what's going on, and that's it. But I want to encourage you to turn that stuff off and turn on God's Word. If you're going to watch TV, why don't you lose yourself in a good program, maybe a good TV preacher, right? Go online. You know, all of our stuff's online. Get our app. If you just you say, i got an extra 30 minutes, why don't you spend an extra 30 minutes hearing God's Word rather than hearing about the world? We keep, listen, if you're, if you're reading and, and having a steady stream of the world coming at you, don't be surprised when you think like the world. Guys, all the bad stats are up. Depression, suicide, cutting, all these horrible things where people are self-harm. All the bad indicators are up. And I think it's because we are feeding on negativity. We are feeding on crap. And we wonder why we're losing our peace. Feed on the Word of God. Feed on His truth. Feed on good things. Enter into his rest and focus on good things. He's got good things for you. Hey, I want to stop real quick and tell you, I'm really excited about something. Speaking of my time with God, I was walking the other night. I love to walk and pray. It's just one of those things I like to do. And I was walking, I was praying, and I was just praying about you. I was praying for the church, praying for each, each of you. And as I was doing that, God was really speaking to me about a new series that I really feel led to do. I feel like God's really giving me this new series I want to do called Turn Around Your Family. Wouldn't it be great if God turned your marriage around, turned your kids around, turned your family around? So in two weeks, we're starting a new series called Turn Your Family Around. But as I was praying about it, I thought, I was like, Lord, what are you, what are you trying to tell me? God was just filling my heart with this message to, to bring to you. And then God just really put in my heart, this is what the Lord told me. He said, you know what? It'd be sad to have a women's conference with no women at it. You would never have a men's event with no men there. You would never have children's church with no kids there. So why are you going to talk about family without having the family there? So in two weeks, the first message is called Family Reunion. How great is this going to be? I want to challenge you. Just imagine, just get a vision in your mind of having a whole row of all your family, your brothers, your sisters, your mom, your dad, your kids, your nephews and nieces, the whole row. Let's bring our whole family to church for family reunion. How great is that going to be? I'm excited about this. Now, we're going to do something really unique. I'm giving you two weeks notice because some of you are like, well, my kids are off at of college. Have them come home this weekend. I'm serious. You say, well, my mom and dad, they live in another state. This is the time to have them come in. I know you think, really? You're, you're telling me to go through all that effort? I really am. I want to challenge you. To, here's why. The Lord puts on my heart to challenge you to do this. Because that weekend, we're going to take about five minutes in the middle of church. And I'm going to bring my own family on stage as well. And I'm going to bless them. But while I'm doing I'm going to teach you how to bless your family. I'm going to teach parents how to put your hands on your kids and to bless them. The Bible talks over and over about putting a blessing on your children, a blessing on your mother and your father, a blessing on your siblings. I'm you will not be a dry eye in the house. We're going to teach you how to bless your family. You say, Pastor, I have a family member. They're, they're opposed to the things of God. They don't want church. They're not giving you shit. You know what? They may be opposed to God, but they will not be able to deny being blessed. So I want to challenge you, just get them here. Just get them here. And I believe God is going to do, I'm asking God to do something miraculous that weekend in your family. 
So let's, let's do it. Let's go all out and let's watch God bless our families in a, in a supernatural way. Let's do our work. Let's do the natural. Let's get them here. Then God can add the super to our natural. And I believe God's going to bless your family in two weeks. Okay, you with me? It's going to be an incredible series. Don't miss it. Turn your family around. Don't miss that. It's in two weeks. So if you're staying up with me, how do we, how do we live anxious for nothing? We, we ask for God's help. We enter into his rest and we focus on good things. And this next one, I'm so excited to share with you. This is such a big deal. I want to read a, a scripture to you real quick because we forget that not only is the world crazy, so are Christians. I hate to break it to you, but if you learned that one yet, you're like, oh, the world, man, they're all messed up. Huh, so are we. We're messed up too. So this is Paul now. now. Now, Paul first told us all the other things to Timothy about, oh, man, the world, this and that, it's just messed up. Now he says to the next chapter to me, oh, by the way, Timothy, your church is messed up too. And so this is what he says. He says in 2 Timothy 4, he says, for the time is coming when people will not tolerate or endure sound and wholesome instruction. But having ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying, they will gather to themselves one teacher after another, chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors they hold, and will turn aside from hearing the truth and wander off into myths and man-made fictions. I have found multiple times over the course of, a years, of years preaching that certain messages, if I bring up certain truths in God's Word, you get mad at me. Christians get mad at me, and I'm like, but that's what the Bible says. What's happening, whether we like to admit it or not, is we have become so accustomed to the world that when we preach what we've been preaching for 50 years or longer, people get mad. We haven't changed the message. Christians are moving their positions. We're shifting. We are not called to take God's word and make it adjust to us. We are called to adjust our lives to God's word. It's a big deal. I find it funny that people criticize. I hear, I hear Christians will criticize our church. It's like, oh, yeah, man, they have black walls like they're worshiping Satan or something, you know. And I'm like, what? You know, and oh, yeah, they got the guitar and uh, the band's really loud. And they got all these lights. It's like a Las Vegas show or something, you know. First of all, when someone accuses us of that, I'm like, thank you. Thank you for thinking we're that good. I'm so impressed that you think our production is so quality that we could compete in Vegas. Thank you. Because we just, we just believe that the world is in excellence, but I think God's church should be excellent, you know? I mean, I think we should, if we bear the name of Jesus, that excellence honors God, it also inspires people. So we think that's a good thing. But people will criticize us for things like that. And I'm thinking, so you're criticizing us because you don't like the sound or, or that's loud or that we have all these lights or that our children's ministry looks like Nickelodeon. You know, you're criticizing us for those things, but yet there are churches down the street that don't even believe God's word anymore. Like they don't, even, they don't even stick to God's truth anymore. They, they're compromising the word of God. And so I'm thinking, if you're going to find something to criticize the church about, what about the churches that don't even believe God's truth? That don't even believe that Jesus is the only way anymore? I mean, that's what we should be criticizing because God's word has got to remain pure. We've got to believe his truth. But here's the truth. Christians are going to oftentimes turn away. I mean, I don't know about you, but it, it just seems like all of a sudden you're hearing about more and more leaders falling more and more Christian authors that used to teach God's word that now say, we don't believe that anymore. You know, there was, I just saw a stat the other day that 70% of Christians, 70% of people that call themselves Christians today believe that there's more than one way to heaven. That's mind-blowing. Jesus could not have been clearer. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. That's it. It is very clear. So Paul says, hey, Timothy, the world's jacked up. Then he says, oh, by the way, Timothy, so is the church. 
And then this is what he says to Timothy, and I love this, because he's saying this to you and me. He says this. He says, but as for you, he's speaking to you and me right now, as for you, be calm and cool and steady, accept and suffer in unflinchingly every hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fully perform all the duties of your ministry. What is he saying? He's saying this. He said, people are going to turn away, but as for you, do your job. That's what he's saying. He said, do your job. So you know he's saying? He's saying, hey, moms, yeah, schools are messed up. People are jacked up. You know, your, your kids' friends are doing all kinds of wrong things. Your kids will make wrong choices too. But you know what you need to do, mom? Love your kid. Raise him in the Lord. In other words, like, the world's going to be crazy. Do your job. The world's going to be messed up. Honor the Lord. Put him first. What God is saying is, you know what? There's a lane I gave you. Run your race. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing. You run your race that I gave you to run. You see, we stress ourselves out because we get our nose in other people's businesses. When God gave you a purpose and you a calling, I could do a whole message on purpose. I won't. I've already done a whole series on that. Please check that out if you need to. But I want to tell you this. God gave you an assignment. God gave you a calling. God gave you a purpose. You know what? The devil can't take your purpose. He can't take your calling, your assignment. But what he wants to do is he wants to take your joy. If he can get you full of anxiety and stressed out, you'll be so stressed out you won't live your purpose. So I want to challenge you, don't let anxiety get involved in your mind because when you do that, you won't step out and do things for God. So this is a huge challenge for all of us. Would you please write this down? So we need to ask for God's help, enter into his rest, focus on good things. And when it seems as if bad people are winning, stay calm and do your job. Just stay calm and do what God called you to do. Don't let that throw your focus. 2 Timothy 4 says this, as for you, be calm and cool and steady. And then what he says, do the work of evangelists. Why was he telling Timothy to do the work of evangelists? Because he was an evangelist. He was saying, do your job. Do what I called you to do. So I just want to challenge you. Do what the Lord told you to do and focus on that. Joyce Meyer puts it this way. She said, we can defeat what the devil is trying to do in our life simply by refusing to become upset. Isn't that good? Don't let the world get you all upset. Don't let other Christians even get you upset. Stay focused on what the Lord gave you to do. I want to challenge you with something. I want to challenge you to become unoffendable. Just become Teflon, man. Nothing sticks to me. I'm just not going to let you offend me. You know, the best way to not have enemies is to make your enemies your friend. Just become unoffendable. Say, I'm just not going to let this bother me. But you don't realize what this person said or did. No, but we all have things that people have said and done to us. And you can either let it stick to you or you can let it fall right off you and just do your job. Focus on what God's called you to do. Guys, there's always going to be bad things that, that come up. I want to challenge you to set that aside and say, God, this is the race you've called me to run. I'm not going to get consumed with whether other people are running their race or not. I'm going to run my race. Do what the Lord has told you to do. Stay focused on what God has given you. And this last point, this is what I'm, oh, I'm so excited about to share this with you because God just gave this to me this week and I believe this can really minister to you. Jesus prayed this prayer. He said, this is how you need to pray. He teaches us how to pray. Jesus said this, pray this prayer. He said, give us each day our daily bread. I love that. Because I think part of our anxiety is we're worried about tomorrow. Oh, is this going to come through? Am I going to get that promotion? You know, am I going to have enough to retire on? Are my kids going to be okay? What decision are they going to make? Is, is my marriage going to go the distance? We, we're worried about things for no reason. The truth is most of the stuff we're worried about will never happen. But we're so consumed and worried about, will I have what I need tomorrow? Some people are worried about things that God will take care of you. So in this, in this verse, Luke eleven three, 3, give us each day our daily bread. Scholars had a real problem. The real problem they had was that in the Greek original language, there is no word for the word daily. This one word daily is only used here. 
In fact, this, this, the Greek word for this word daily bread is only used here out of the entire Bible. Only used once. It's very specific. Many scholars just decided they knew it meant day. They knew it meant 24 hours, but they thought that's all we have on this. And so they began to go back and a lot of ways to know what Greek words mean is to go back and study some of the classical Greek literature to see how they used it. But they found that Plato didn't use it, Homer, the Iliad, Aristotle, all the Greek classical literature, none of them used the word daily. They thought, did God make up a word? Did, did God just, I mean, he can't do that. He's God. He could do that. Maybe he just created this word. And that's where they stood with this word until 1947. In 1947, they discovered what's called the Dead Sea Scrolls. In the Dead Sea Scrolls, they found people had written on papyri. That just means paper. They'd written all these scriptures out. But in discovering in these caves in Israel, the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1947, they also found other incidental papers that people had written stuff down. And finally, they found multiple papyri, multiple papers where they had used the word daily. And guess where they found it? It was on people's shopping lists. It was a grocery list. And what they discovered was the word daily was a word unique to them because they didn't have refrigeration. So when you went to buy fresh meat, it was really fresh. They had just killed that calf that day and you took and you ate that meat that night. And if you let it sit for a day, it spoiled. And so what God was saying, give us this day our daily bread, was God will give you what you need today. God doesn't give you what you need for the next 50 years. You won't need to go back to him. God, you go to God today, he gives you what you need. Then you're supposed to go to God tomorrow, he's going to give you what you need for tomorrow. Then go to God the next day, he's going to give you what you need for that day. Then you go to God the next day, he's going to give you what you need. In other words, God will give whatever you need that day, God will give you that day. And so it is your job and my job to not worry about tomorrow. The Lord takes care of the sparrows. He'll take care of you. Don't be consumed with worry. Trust, number five, in God's timing. 2 Peter 1.3 says, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. You have everything you need for today. You say, but I'm going to need this tomorrow. And God says, I'll, then I'll provide it tomorrow. But you have everything you need for today. So don't worry about what you need tomorrow. I got that. That's my concern. When God gave manna to the people of Israel, the manna would spoil after one day. And, then, and they thought, well, well, what about the Sabbath? We're not supposed to collect anything on the Sabbath. And so on that Saturday before the Sunday, guess what? That manna lasted two days. God just did that. He's like, yeah, you collect enough for two days and there'll be enough. But the third day will spoil. God always gives you just what you need for that moment. Isn't that great? That means God is saying, I got you. You're so worried about things that, that I've already taken care of. Don't consume yourself with worry any longer. Psalm 37, 5 says this, Commit your way to the Lord. Roll and repose each care of your load onto Him. It's like you have a backpack and you're loaded down and you just, it's like this is the Lord's table. You just say, I'm just going to roll this weight right over onto God. I don't have to carry this any longer. He says, trust, lean on, rely on, be confident also in Him, and He will bring it to pass. But God promised me this hasn't happened yet. And God says, chill out, calm down. It's not in today's daily bread, but somewhere down the line, I've got that for you. He says, it'll come to pass. I am God, I got you. He's saying, just trust me today that what you need today, I'll give you. What you need tomorrow, I'll deliver tomorrow. He is a daily God. 
He is to be trusted. He is to be leaned on, relied upon every day. How do you live a non-anxious life? How do you live in peace? You say, God, you got me today. You're going to take care of me. And tomorrow when I need something, I'll ask you tomorrow. And I know you'll provide. Isn't it good that we serve a God that provides everything we need daily? He's a daily God. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We just take a moment to pray right now. I just want to encourage you today, whatever you're concerned, whatever you're, you're consumed with today, will you just trust that in God's hands? Maybe today you just need to lift your hands today and say, God, I'm just going to give you this problem. I've been so worried about this. I'm just tired of living in worry, anxiety. I always feel like, Lord, the next shoe's going to drop. Instead of being consumed with that fear, lift your hand high to God and say, I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I'm just not going to worry about that, God. You are a daily provider, and I trust you, Lord. You will supply my every need. I give you my life. I give you my concern. I give you my family. I give you my finances. I give you my worry. I trust in you, Lord. Thank you, God. You take care of me. Thank you. Put your hands down. If you've never received Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you can receive him right now. I'm praying a very simple prayer. Jesus actually said, let the children come to me. So that means it's a simple faith. If a child can come to Christ, then, then this isn't complicated. It's meant to be simple. You see, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you and me to pay the price for our sins. Then Jesus rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you and me to individually receive him. You can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed across all of our churches right now. Just pray this prayer. You can just say this out loud. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you paid the price for my sin. And I believe you rose again. Please come in my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just prayed to receive Christ, would you just lift your hand high? If you just gave your life to Jesus, just lift your hand high right now. You're not alone. There are hands going up all across our churches right now. Just lift your hand high. We see those hands in Stone Oak. We see that hand in Rockfield. Thank you. Lift your hand high right now. Come on, Padre. Come on. Lift your hand high. Come on, Rockport. Maybe you're online. You can just let us know in the text to chat. You can just put my hands raised. Yourchurchunlimited.com. Just click hand raised. Just let us know if you just gave your life to Christ. Just raise your hand high. You're not alone. Praise God, we see those hands. Thank you. Hold your hand high. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. We see those hands. Praise God. Lord, we love you, God. We thank you that we can trust in you. Lord, we don't need to live anxiety-filled. Instead, we can live peace-filled, knowing that you have us in the palm of your hands. Thank you for your word today. We receive it, and may we now practice your presence, practice entering into your peace. In your name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.